0: Now also available on Hubble. G'day guys and welcome back to the Dylan Friends Podcast. This week I caught up with one of the greatest small fours of all time, Stephen Milne. Stevie Milne came off the rookie list at St Kilda, hustling his way into the team and ended up playing 275 games and kicked 574 goals. He's a two-time All-Australian and in my opinion playing in the hardest position on the ground. We touched on it all, being the first player to kick 300 goals at Etihad Stadium, grand finals, footy trips, coaches, sprays, and he even gives us his hardest opponents and his bunnies, the ones he used to lick his lips when they came down to him at full forward. One of the great guys. I can't thank him enough for his time. I hope you enjoy the show as much as I did. Let's go.
1: Welcome to the Dylan Friends Podcast. My name is Deborah, Dylan's mum. Strap yourselves in for some lighthearted and wholesome fun, and don't forget to subscribe and leave a review.
0: Stevie Milne, mate, this is an absolute pleasure. Uh, it's an honour. I, uh, I'm a, fair to say, I'm an absolute huge fan, mate. And to to say, you know, at the start of my career, if I ever could have said that I was sitting down with Stevie Milne and doing a podcast, um, I wouldn't believe it. So, mate, thank you so much for coming on the show.
2: No thanks, bucks. Looking forward to uh, the next hour, mate. Looking forward to it.
0: Uh, Mate, it's a very interesting story. It's an absolutely incredible story. And it's one that I feel, you know, we'll get into it. But I just feel like for what you have done on the field, uh, it it just does not get enough credit. And, you know, I'm the one that's going to be kicking up a fuss about this, mate. But I'm sure we'll touch (laughs) on it. And um, I'm hoping you can too. But I I suppose the best place to start, mate, is at the start. Um, How did it all start for you? Where'd you grow up as a kid? I know you played a bit of footy with the Frankston, Frankston in the VFL.
2: Yep. Yeah, it's a long time ago now. I've been retired for seven years and it feels like a moon ago. So um, I kind of was one of the guys that did it the hard way and grew up out at Knoxfield and played more juniors out there. And kind of I was just a small four pocket but trying to play uh, full forward and get in the big guy's way. And, And then we moved out to Hampton Park and I played a year at. Hampton Park uh, footy club and then went to Cranbourne and then after the Cranbourne footy club under-16s I was lucky enough to get invited to Dandenong Stingrays uh, played with the guys like Fev, Craig Jackatine, Um, Trent Crowe you know, so, so on and so on and um, I was just, you know a small little smart-ass forward pocket um, in 97 and 98 and we had a couple of good years lost to the granny, uh, to the Ballarat Rebels when Adam Goods uh, famously kicked six or seven Goals that year, and then I kind of got overlooked. Um, I put my letters in, I'll send a VHS you know, video recorder to all the clubs, kind of on my highlights, and I was only, you know, 50 kilos ringing wet back in them days, so, um, just wasn't fit enough and strong enough, so got overlooked, and then I did a pre season at the Mighty Franks and Dolphins, um, under Robert Mace, and then I was lucky enough to be mates with Adam Romanaskis, who was at Stingrays, and he got drafted to, uh, the Mighty Bombers. Um, And they were short one day in playing some practice matches out at Whitten Oval, Essendon against the Bulldogs. And I was doing um, an apprenticeship at um, Patterson River Secondary College, just doing PE. Um, I got a phone call to go play a practice match and I went and played a practice match and kicked three and then got invited the week after. Then got invited the week after, so I ended up playing three practice matches. And then Essendon put me on their, um, their supplementary list for $300 a game which was 20, 1999 it was. Um, and then after that, we ended up having a really good year, played um, St Kilda in the grand final uh, at the MCG. I did okay, kick four in that game, and then St Kilda kind of picked me up in the rookie draft after in 2000. That's incredible,
0: mate. So. And I, I suppose one thing that shocks me about this story and I actually didn't even click it until now but I had Favola on the podcast a few weeks ago and to think that you two played together in under 18s two of you know the best small forward and key forward to nearly ever play the game in my opinion you guys played together in under 18 footy
2: yeah it was (laughs) we had some fun too on and off the field uh, Feb (laughs) Back in them days, um, I suppose yeah. it wasn't
0: the scrutiny then as well. You could do whatever you yeah. want.
2: Oh, you could, you could, yeah. Have a few beers, and we we had a really good crew in '97, '98, and we we're pretty pretty close. But I think '98. I think Adam Goods was injured and didn't have a great year. But then he come out in the granny and just teared us apart. Um, you know, kick seven, and we didn't we didn't get near it. But yeah, to play with like, Fev, obviously Rammer Premiership player, Trent Crowe Premiership player, um, Craig Jackettene played for Collingwood, Craig Black who was, at, you know, at Carlton. We had Travis Johnson, number one draft pick. Um, you know, I was lucky enough to play with a few few uh, good players in the
0: early days. That's incredible. That's a bloody good team to think that there yeah. was that many blokes getting picked up out of the under-18s at Dandenong.
2: I've missed a few out too. So. <laughs> Chris Massey. Um, Chris um, Massey. Yeah, Chris Massey, yeah. yeah. Carlton at Adelaide. So, um, yeah, we're pretty stiff, pretty flat. <laughs> Looking back at it now that we didn't pinch one. And... So, from my understanding at that age, you
0: were saying earlier as well that you weren't guaranteed to be picked up at all. Like, it wasn't... You missed out on the draft. You did it the hard way. You were actually sending tapes to clubs of your games?
2: Yeah, yeah. So, 98, um, I couldn't even get a pre-season anywhere. I rang about three or four clubs off. you didn't have a manager. Um, Richmond, a little bit interested, but then kind of said, no, couldn't have a pre-season. I was just lucky. just... In the right place at the right time and good mates of Rammer, um, Adrian I said, we need some players because we've only got some top-up players. Um, so I left Seaford at Patterson River and drove to Witten Oval ended up going okay. And it was just just by luck that I just, um, you know, played well on them three games and then got offered a, a supplementary spot and ended up playing every game that year and... Um, You know, just just in the four pocket under Kevin Sheedy and Bommers had a good year that year. They had Mercury and Moorcroft and Heffernan and Blumfield and obviously lost in the the prelim. Um, And then the year after, Essendon were going to kind of take me in the rookie draft, but because I kind of did pretty well against St Kilda on grand final day. The Saints kind of took me before that. So, And it was bloody much easier because driving to Windy Hill every day from Hampton Park, <laughs> it took me an hour and a half. And then we used to go home in between training and then drive back. So <laughs> it was a bloody nightmare. So um, to get to uh, mum and dad were in Hampton Park, so to get kind of picked up at, K- uh, at Moorabbin, which is 25, 30 minutes from home, it was uh, a lot easier. Do you reckon back then, like, I, I
0: struggled to believe that you didn't get picked up because of talent. Was it more the fact that back then, was it that time of the period with the AFL where they were picking more of those sort of athletic types and probably trying to steer away from the smaller players?
2: I think I think so. I kind of started coming in around then, kind of early 2000s. But I think I was, as I kind of said earlier, like 55, 60 kilos, ringing wet. So I was, you know, kind of got pushed off the ball easy. It wasn't a great kick. I, in, I remember in 99, I used to run into open goals and like drill them along the ground from like 25, 30 metres out. Um, So I did that much, you know, like extra work at, when you're here with Terry Danaher and stuff, trying to, you know, kick drop punts and snaps and bananas and all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, I could kind of find the ball and you know, kick a goal, but just my kind of my presence and my tackling, you know, like other people get paid to tackle or kick, kick kick goals. So <laughs> I had to I had to build that pretty quick, and I was lucky to get picked up by St Kilda, who were kind of struggling. You know, 0 um, O3, and kind of got in and you know, you know, grabbed my chance.
0: Yeah, well, I I really like that analogy with the, the goals and tackles because <laughs> I was I was a small forward, uh, you know, when I was up at the Giants, and yep. one thing that I always believed was goals are more important than tackles. Um, Leon didn't agree with me on that, but the only problem was I wasn't tackling and I wasn't kicking goals, so it doesn't really work. <laughs> it doesn't really work. <laughs> And the
2: other one is a uh, well, you don't handball, so we don't get six points to handball, do you? So you got a bloody <laughs> if handball, so you get a point. That's ridiculous. So, but yeah, but once you start, as you say, you get a bit mature in the old age. You've got to, you had to start tackling, or wouldn't have had a job. So, <laughs> yeah, bloody
0: So, <laughs> first few years at the Saints. Then, so you get picked up from Essendon, you rock up to the Saints. So at that stage, I think Malcolm Blight was your first coach. What were the
2: first few years like there? Oh, bloody was he was one in a million old blood um, played more golf than he did coaching um, he, his desk was two or three bits of paper and that was it and I was kind of lucky we had a few injuries and you know bloody kind of gave him my first game so um, and then I think I only played about six or seven games and then he kind of got the ass um, and then kind of grant Thomas come in um, and then kind of Tom, Tom and I had a bit of a... Love-hate relationship over the years, all good now, but, you know, those were the days where as a small forward you could get dragged and you know, not come back on. So, um, you know, O two th- 2 had a pretty good year and then kind of O three, O four, 3 4 we started to play some really good footy. Obviously we've got Rui and Cosie in the door and Dell, um, you know, Joey, Borley, and then we, we got the big G-train, um, ha- Hamill. Um, so we started to make a pretty good core group of senior players and all these young guys coming through, so... Once Tomo Tom built that culture of just, you know, like everyone was his kids, like after each game we'd go back to his joint and have steak and a few beers and go over the tape and um, it, it was a good few years and we got pretty close in 04 and 05 um, and then I will see the big fallout between kind of him and Rod Butters in 06 and, and then my man Rossi come in in 07 and yeah, we got close again. So they were kind of the first kind of three or four years with, with, a, with a really good group of guys and um you know we're all still kind of great mates now
1: you're listening to the dylan friends podcast oh wow cool story
2: my ears already
0: pricked up when you mentioned Ross's uh, my, Ross's name. He uh, again, I, I, you know, I seem to talk about him a lot, but yep. I'm this bloke's biggest fan. Um, I oh. don't think I would have like. I just don't think that I would have done too well under him as a coach. But as these stories go, which we will get into in a sec, I do love. But I do want to ask quickly about Grant Thomas because yep. I do see you know that side of him a lot because one of my best mates, Jacks Nunes, who is yep. dating um, Jordan now, Jordan yeah, Thomas, yeah. which is Grant's uh, daughter, obviously. Yep, and. I'm interested to in say that. Why do you think that your relationship didn't sort of go well at start?
2: Oh well, it wasn't kind of. Well, it was just kind of the, coach the playing relationship. Of, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Kind of coach playing relationship. It was just, um, you know, I was kind of a young, kind of Im- immature guy. Just, you know, obviously not tackling and you know handballing and doing kind of the team things early days. I just, I, I thought that you know goals was better than you know for myself to, to stay in the team. So once we kind of worked that out and then I thought I was getting dragged at kind of different times and stuff, you know, which it's a bit of a starvation corner, as you know, Bucks, uh, um, starvation oh, yeah. corner, of the four pocket, you get the ball kicked over your head 30 times and you could be on a good lead and you never get used. So once I had to kind of get that, get that balance and, you know, work well with Tom and I used to take a mark, you know, 30 metres out and find a goal and instead of going back for a set shot, I used to do a snap and then I'd get <laughs> tackled and I did a couple of shit things here and there to make him, his blood boil a little bit. But it was just kind of that, you know, coach-player relationship and, you know, we're no dramas now and, you know, I ended up playing for six, seven years under Tomo and, um, yeah, it was a bit rough around the edges, you know, but for a bit, but it's not, no dramas now, just like any other player and coach. Um, but mine was probably publicised a little bit more. Yeah, bloody hell. Because um, at the end of
0: his time, did you nearly get traded?
2: Yeah, so there was a little bit of kind of writing on the wall towards 06. That I kind of got dropped once or twice um, and I wasn't playing much game time and so I kind of just knew something fishy was going going around. So I had a little, little bit of a look around. As Essendon were, were pretty keen. I went and, went and sat down at the, the Hilton <laughs> across the road from the MCG and shut down with Sheeds and Dodoro where I was there kind of six years earlier, you know, playing in the 99 Premiership. So I was pretty keen to to, to go across. And then um, Mark Williams, Choco, he, he always loved me. So I didn't actually speak to Port Adelaide, but then my manager um, kind of did at the time and said they were a little bit keen if I wanted to go kind of the next step. So, um, yeah, it was a weird time. I always wanted to be a one-club player, but um, then I walked into Ross's office and I just, as you said before, like, He's a man of mystery, Ross, and just an absolute legend. And as soon as I walked in and shook his hand, it's basically I walked in, turned around and walked out and I was staying at the St Kilda Footy Club. Like, it was literally a two-minute conversation and you just, I just knew straight away that I could, you know, play under this guy and, you know, we could do special things together. Um, and, yeah, still mates to him, still mates now. That's awesome, mate. Talk me through him. What's, what's
0: some of the stories that really stick out, I suppose, for people that wouldn't know him too much? Like, what's some of, you know, maybe oh, some sprays yeah, or...
2: How long have we got... As oh, mate, long as he's, you he's, like. He's, yeah, <laughs> he's, he's just the best, mate. He's, he's the one who introduced me into espresso martinis. Um, we we're, out, I think we lost one year and we ended up going out and even the Darls was with us and got onto them. But I don't think I've had one since because I don't drink coffee because I'm hyper <laughs> <hop, hop> enough. <laughs> um, but he's just he's just a ripper. Like you know he's got a couple of pubs in Fitzroy and it's kind of his way or the highway. Um, you know, obviously if you're doing everything right, by Ross, you know, he'll, you know, stick up to you to the couch, come on, but if if not, you've got to, you know, kind of work your backside off to get back in the team, and myself and Nicky Delcino learnt learnt that the hard way in 07, I think, can't remember exactly, I I haven't got it in my diary the day I got dropped, (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, but yeah, we got dropped, we played a game in Sydney and um, it was pissing down rain, and I used to wear one screw and one blade, because they used to hurt me feet, the blades, Um, and in that game, we lost, I think we won about 15 in a row, and... Um, he made Dale go and get the boots that we wore and I'm about to go get my boots. And he's going, you got two of the wrong boots. So I said, no, I don't. This is what I wore. And he goes, you effing serious? Grabbed a footy boot and just threw it as hard <laughs> as he could across the room and it hit the wall and he goes, if you ever wear them again, you'll never play for this club again. So, so yeah,
0: we... like, you wore two different boots?
2: Yeah, on, the, on my left, I used to wear the screws, you know, them long stops. Yeah. And then on my right, I used to wear a blade. At, um, at Etihad, oh, I just got used to it because I used to always push off on my left, and and they used, you know, oh screws, so I used to just kill me feet so I couldn't go get through a game with with two on because I'd really start crying. So for a little bit of time, I don't know how many games, maybe twenty or thirty, I used to wear yeah one on one, which is a bit different.
0: Well, mate, the proof's in the pudding. There, we will get to, you. Are the king of Etihad Stadium, <laughs> so maybe that's maybe that's what
2: some folks. I should have tried that. <laughs> it was a, it was a bit weird, but it, yeah, it, worked, it worked for a bit until we went up to Sydney and I tried it and I was, I was like playing on an ice skating yeah, meet, But Yeah, uh, <laughs> the
0: SEG is probably the slipperiest grand in the AFL.
2: Yeah, so that's that's probably the biggest buy I got. And the other one that, that Del, um talks about a bit is when we come at in half time and he's gone through the, the tackle sheet and he's gone, look, Lenny, two tackles, Del, one tackle, um, Milny, one tackle, Rui, donuts, and just a whole... It's half time, we're getting done, and he's just ripping the captain saying he <laughs> didn't have a tackle. Dale says it a lot better than what I do, but you, you, I just wanted to start laughing at the best of time, and that was half time. I said, I probably can't start laughing here. I'll probably be on the bench for the rest of the game.
0: <laughs> as, serious, as funny as he is, and his anecdotes and stuff, he he's a serious coach, hey? Like, you know, he took oh. you guys to being. We will touch on this again later, I'm saying it a lot, but he's. Your team there, I know you didn't get the chocolates, but for those few years, you were one of the best teams, you know, that could have been.
2: Oh, we were, mate, and I've, I think I've had six or seven coaches and he would be the hardest working coach, you know, like I've ever seen. The hours he does of um, opposition and just his own players and tactics and um, stuff every day. I remember he couldn't get into Moorabbin and he, he was... Um, asleep at home. I couldn't. He couldn't sleep, and then he, he went to the drive to the club at like 2 a.m. and jumped the fence and got in his office and was there till seven, eight o'clock in the morning till the boy, till the boys got there to the club. Like just that kind of stuff that no one kind of knows. And even when he went to Swo, the boys love him there. So he's uh, he's very well loved. And I spoke to him yesterday actually. So he's having, yeah having a bit of a bit of a break and um, he's getting pretty bored as well because he he needs to do do something every day like. Like the rest of us, so. but he's yeah, a good man. Like a good man, great man, mate. I want to talk about a few of your games. Um,
0: obviously, there's a few there. You played 275, 574 goals. It's pretty impressive. Um, <laughs> what's is there a game that sticks out to you as one of your favourites? I know there's a couple there that you've you've kicked some bags.
2: Yep. Um, yeah. Look, you can go to the individual ones, but the kind of the the two where in the, the prelims where you, you make the grand final. Um, that's pretty, yeah, they're probably, they're, they're probably my favourites. Where The Bulldogs won where we were kind of down at kind of half-time and uh, Brian Lake or Harris uh, um, gave that free kick to Rui in the third quarter and we kind of come and Rui kicked the, <clears throat> a goal, um, a soccer goal in the last quarter to put us in front and just that final so and just to know that you're going into a grand final the next week is obviously, you know, pretty special. Um, I was lucky enough to play with kind of halves, Lowy, um, Aussie kind of all, all my good mates and all their milestone games. So they're one you're growing up that you're, you're playing week in week out and they're playing. You know, I think I played in three 300s games: Berkey, Lowy, um, halves. You know, and about four 200 games. You know, I can't remember exactly the, the stats, but all their milestone games are, are pretty good because all of them were kind of one-cub players, so they're pretty special for the club. Um, and then obviously the, the the game against Brisbane were. I was lucky enough to kick a... I haven't watched it once, about 10 times. No. <laughs> um, that was on the other day, and uh, I had a little sneak peek of it. But that kind of day, you know, you wish happens all the time. But, you know, it, just, it happened once out of 274. So, literally everywhere I run, you know, it just landed in my lap. And I think I even took a half a hang on, I can't jump over a jam tin. So that was probably the special individual one that I just literally couldn't miss. And, don't know. I try to do what I did the week before, the week after, and just completely didn't work. So, but I've been pretty lucky to play in some yeah, yeah, big games over the years.
0: Now you have, mate. I want to ask you about a game uh, in particular. You were playing over in Perth, I think it was against Fremantle, and I think you broke your jaw. Oh yeah. And you had to drive back to Melbourne with <laughs> an eighty-five-year-old with... trainer. The name yeah, Dennis. Dennis, <laughs> Dennis Campbell. <laughs> uh, what happened? There? How did you? Do, uh, how many days did that take? The drive
2: home. Oh, it was full on. Yeah, because I, I busted my cheekbone, so um, obviously I, I couldn't fly. Um, <laughs> so I had to stay the night and then get get in the car. So it was <clears throat> twenty hours from Perth to Adelaide, and then ten hours from Adelaide to Melbourne by train. Um, so it was just Dennis and nice kind of guy I've been at the club forever still at the club now does a massage but he's pretty, pretty quiet and I'm the opposite I'm pretty loud but I had this knock and I was still a bit up and about because they gave me a couple of sleeping tablets and <laughs> some medication and and stuff so I kind of slept the first kind of six to eight hours uncomfortable and and that was back in the he was, I can't remember what year it was, but it was like a cassette day or CD. So we had to stop at a shop and we got some Michael Jackson CDs and some, some shit CDs that you wouldn't even get now um, and listen to them and um, Dennis drove for a bit and some of, the, some of the way I pretended that I was asleep just so I could have a bit of, bit, bit of own time because <laughs> <laughs> we could only talk about the same conversation. You've got to run out of things to say for 20 hours and then we stayed somewhere halfway. and It was the worst, because it was in the ball. I don't know how them truck drivers do it, but it was the worst uh, twenty hours. And on the train, I literally just slept for like eight hours. So I could, I could eventually lie down, and there was no one else on the train. Um, and then I went into the surgery on the Wednesday, and it was half milestone game, his three hundred and twenty-fourth game on the Saturday. And I ended up getting up to, to play for that on the Saturday, so, so you was- played
0: on the weekend. Broke your jaw, <laughs> broke your cheekbone, drove from Perth to Adelaide, train. Melbourne surgery, yep. then played the next week.
2: Yeah, I had surgery on the Wednesday, got out the Thursday or the Wednesday night, and then I played there the Saturday and halves as record breaking. How many did you kick? Uh, I think saw your <laughs> remember. <laughs> 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 no, well, they said because there was a massive plate in my face, they said you can't do any more damage, it's stronger than, than that. So, um, I even tried a little helmet on at training, and, and that didn't work. So, they said. You're not going to do any more damage. So once he kind of said that, and I, I never liked missing, so um, I did that. But then we went back over and played West Coast two weeks later, and it happened again. I broke the other other cheekbone on the other side, but it wasn't as bad, so I, I was uh, able to fly back. So was pretty pretty surreal, yeah. And then <clears throat> Jesus Christ, um, yeah. good good times. <laughs>
1: You're listening to the Dylan Friends podcast. Oh, Dylan, who's your new friend?
0: Mate, I, this is probably a hard question to ask, and I, I don't, I don't know how it is to explain it. But what made you so good? Like, what do you think made you the player that you were?
2: Uh, good question, mate. I was just um, obviously like, No, you, you weren't.
0: And... You weren't like overly quick. You weren't. Yeah. You just read. Yeah, no. You just really read the game.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I just. Yeah. I, I, I suppose I probably play a little bit bigger um, body than I, than I am. Like I'm a small kind of four, but I just read know where the ball's going and know um, where it's going to land and stuff. And I'll just practice till the cows come home. Like other kind of said earlier, it wasn't a great kick, but I would easily have between 2002 and 10, 11, whatever it was, um, 100, 150 shots extra a week at training. So I'll literally just practice till my me, me, me feet were sore. So um, towards the end of the day with sports scientists and stuff, um, you know, they, they wouldn't let you. But early days, I would just get the net, Get someone to hold, in it, you know, kick it up, run down, kick a snap, or just do. So it was just kind of practice makes perfect for me because I wasn't that good. I, I hated endurance. I never wanted to go on the ball because I wasn't that fit. I tried, I tried to get fit, but I just, I just loved kicking goals. So I just wanted to do as much as I could to, <clears throat> to do that. And a couple of years there, I tried to, you know, get in the midfield for a little bit, but they would just work way too harder than me. So I just. Just try to stay at the four pocket and, and do what I was doing. I was, I was good at it, so I just kind of yeah kept it. But it was just practice more than anything.
0: Yeah, don't change if it ain't broke, mate. We we yes. had uh, Adam Schneider, who's I know one of your great Stixel. mates and yep. one of my one of my favourite people I've met in footy. He's an absolute champion. He was he was His so mates. good for me. Um, up the Giants, he was coaching up there, and you know he always just went on about how much you worked on that sort of stuff at training as well. Um, and yep. he was a great admirer of yours, so. Um, to hear that again, it's it is you know it's I think a lot of people that aren't involved in high level footy think that guys just get like that from normal talent, but to see what goes behind behind those um, closed doors is is another story.
2: Yeah, and it's just it's just if you want to do it, it's like, you know the old cliche, you know if you want to if you want to do it, you can do it. If not, you know like if you trying hard enough, you it, it, it'll come. You know all, all the kind of cliches, which I don't even think one of them was one, but. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I just say, you know, practice makes perfect. Practice makes perfect. No, one. No, that, might, that might be one. That's right. Um, but, uh, yeah, man, I just wanted to, you know, kick goals for, you know, a living, you know, as soon as I was a little kid and I was lucky enough to do it and lucky enough to play kind of four or five good years of Allen and, um, Snides and still, you know, Best mates of him now, so and he's doing great great things up there. It's nice. He's doing great things.
0: He is. He's a very loved man up there. Um, as I said earlier, mate, I don't think you get the recognition you deserve. Um, I'm going to reel off a couple stats here. You're the not, you are the fifth non-key position forward to kick more than 500 goals in the history of the game. You, you're the only player shorter than 180 centimetres to kick more than 500 goals since Kevin Bartlett, and obviously back then described as, as one of the best small forwards to ever play the game. If you're starting... A team from scratch, okay, you're not you, you yep. chop the head off it here, if you're yep. starting a team from scratch, and you can pick one small forward, you or Eddie Betts, or someone else, yep. Yep. who do you pick?
2: Um, oh, Eddie's done, you know, great things, but my kind of um, guy, um, when I was growing up, that I watched just, uh, we'll go back to the VHS videos, when I first got to the club, was Philip Mateo, yes. um, I, I thought he was, just an absolute superstar, like, because he kind of played kind of similar like me, like he wasn't just your small four pocket. He was kind of like your small four forward. Yeah. And I loved leading out and stuff. And he could took take some really good marks and obviously do some damage once the ball got to the ground. So obviously nothing against Daddy, but kind of looking at someone when, when I was growing up that was already playing footy and you know at an elite level was was uh, was Philip Mateo, little number thirty three. So I've spoke to him a couple of times I, over the years, you know, b- back in the day and we did this and that and just watched his... Studied his tape and tape and tape over again. So, um, I, I would have picked Philip Matera. Yeah, he's
0: a superstar. I, to be honest, he probably was a little bit before my time, but I do know how good he was um, on the field. I want to talk now about your hardest opponents because it's something that, I suppose, being as good as you were, you normally probably got the best defender every week, the, small, the best small defender every week. Um, fortunate yeah. for you, very luckily for you, um, You'd finished the year that I'd come in, so I w- <laughs> would have put you to sleep on many occasions. <laughs> um, so yeah.
2: Were you, you forward line? You back pocket for a bit. I, you?
0: When I was at and I was playing back pocket. Um, I absolutely. <laughs> I single-handedly pretty much ended Adam Schneider's career at the um, <laughs> builder, which you know he's never forgiven me for. He actually kicked <laughs> four on me, so we can't say that. But, we, just
2: um, spo- we just would have spoke all day because I played on Heath Shaw a lot, and all, we, all <laughs> me and him do is just bloody talk to each other and commentate. <laughs> so we might not have got a kick, which would have been in the corner talking I would have been laughing. happy. With that. Have been happy with that. Did anyone who was uh,
0: who was some tough guys that you know it's, it was hard to play on?
2: Yeah, so obviously the 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 favourite one who had some really good battles with from Sydney was uh, Jared Crouch. Yep. Um, He was a guy that just wanted to bloody punch in the head every time you play because like he he didn't even want the footy. Like he was one of them guys that just literally tagged me and tagged me and just if the footy was like a meter away and he could have put his hand out to get it, he wouldn't get it. He would just literally just you know, bash you and not let you get the ball. So uh, I ended up, it was probably even, you know, probably played in each other seven or eight times, maybe more over the years. Um, and probably even in the end, I, you know, obviously, you know, the home ground advantage used to get him at Eddie Had a little bit and mm. then he would kind of get me at, at, at Sydney, probably because I had the um, stops and um, <laughs> blades on. <laughs> That's probably one of the games he got me. Um, but he, he was probably the hardest. And the other two hard um, guys were both at the Essendon Footy Club, Mark McVeigh and Mark Johnson. Um, they were just, you know, real old school on no those bikes up at JWS now, and had a few beers with Lenny's fortieth a while ago, and we we're talking about that. So he wanted to get the ball as well, and but he still wanted to beat you up as well. So, um, and his mate Mark Johnson, um, he just wanted to beat you up. So. <laughs> So every time you played them, you were, you know, you, you knew you were in for a good day. But if you got a couple early, like, you would, I would grow an extra leg and, um, you know, get in their face. But if you were, hadn't got a kick for a quarter and a half, you knew it was going to be a long day. I don't think people, I, I think
0: they do understand, but I don't think that that position of a small forward gets enough credit of how actually hard it is. Um, like you said, mate, like, I've played back and forward. And if you don't get the ball early, like, <laughs> like you said, if you don't get that little bit of a sniff early that can sometimes spur you on um, and you've got a bloke this plane on you that just doesn't even want to get the ball it it can be one of the loneliest positions on the ground.
2: Oh it makes it tough and then obviously back in the day then you get dragged so you're on the bench and you've got your head between you you know, (laughs) Um, and you sit on the bench for 10 minutes, 12 minutes waiting to get on, well these days if you don't get a kick you can just go off, have a breather and then come on and you might you know, get someone else on you for 2 or 3 minutes and try and snag one on them and the guy that was playing on you know, pretty angry because you've snagged one of yeah. someone else. <laughs> I want to,
0: uh, there was a game in 2013, I think it was. I was trying to remember because I, it was my first season. I wasn't playing yet, but I think it might have been your last. It could have even been your last game.
2: Was it? Against, yeah. was your
0: last game against Carlton? No, Frio. Frio. It might have been the one before that because it was when Andrew Walker went to you. Oh, yeah, big punch on. Do you yeah, remember that? I do. Maybe. Yeah, I remember yeah. that week because I remember,
2: was that your last season? Yeah, yep, yep. That was my last season. Uh, well, yeah, I think it was. Yeah, it was. And I remember Reece Downley just watching me fight for about two minutes in the goal square. Did any danger you going to help me with? <laughs> like, and I remember, it, I remember it like literally like yesterday because it was sunny. It was down the far end, the city end. And I was in the goal square. And it was pretty hot and they had the roof open. And I listened to literally your huddle, Carlton's huddle kind of, Um, emerged, and then he's just sprinted. And he's got to about the wing, and I'm going, he's not doing a run-through here. He just kept sprinting and sprinting and sprinting. Then he got to the 50, and I was like, he's in a 100-metre sprint, and I'm going, shit, I've got to shape up here. We're on. And he just (laughs) came up and hip and shoulder, and I'm trying to get the headlock, and I'm trying to get my angry face going. I'm trying to do a few uppercuts, and then I'm on my back, and someone's trying to drag me off. And then we look at the vision, and I'm literally knackered for, I reckon I was done for 10 minutes after that. Now, what's your friggin' problem? So, there was a bit going on, and then Reese Stanley's just sitting in there just watching me. Danger you're going to bloody help, Reece? You're six foot six, 100 kilos, muscles coming out your bum, and I'm bloody 70 kilos. Uh, so, I gave him a little spro during the week once they showed the vision, but yeah, I still don't know what, what happened that day. <laughs> I, I feel like, look, I, I remember because it, it was my first season,
0: and I remember the game. I feel like that was your last year, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because. Yeah. What I learnt later on in life, and it's funny that Rats is at St Kilda now, but I think that there was, and I it would be interesting to get your opinion on this as a St Kilda player, but there was always something there between Carlton and St Kilda. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. It was, uh, and when I was playing there, and obviously to this day still, St Kilda, no matter what happened in that game, like those, they just hate each other. Like we, Carlton versus St Kilda, no matter who's playing, it's just, you know it's going to be a good match. Um, I think that St Kilda have definitely had the wood over Carlton in the past, but I know that game was definitely something that had sort of carried on from that.
2: Yeah, I totally agree, because Carlton's the best team that I, I love playing against. So they were just my favourites to play, because I, I, knew I, I knew I was playing well. I, I was playing on Aaron Joseph, so I had his measure over the years. <laughs> um, <laughs> and we, we got in some good stashes as well, um, myself and Aaron Joseph. I think there was a few Monday night games there for a while, mm. and... Um but yeah there always was something um, between the Saints and Carlton and um, every time I looked at looked, got the fixture out I looked at see what I was playing Carlton I said, you ain't pens in for a few that day like. <laughs> <laughs> And then obviously the G train and the Fev and it just yeah it was a little bit of a rivalry that kind of brought up over the years. You're listening
1: to the Dylan Friends podcast. For swag merch, check out DylanFriends.com forward slash shop.
0: We, you just spoke about Aaron Joseph then. One, yeah. I, I love to touch on um, bunnies. So, yeah. your bunnies in the AFL, I, uh, we've all got them. Um, yeah. I always say this, but mine was Brett Delidio. Um, just had <laughs> his measure, no matter what happened. I just always had him. And Tommy shared another one, which is a given. He's most people's bunnies. Um, you mentioned Aaron Joseph. Was there anyone else that you just loved lining up on and just saying, yes, this bloke's coming to me today? I'm licking my lips?
2: Oh, he was probably my favourite. Um, but the other one, which is they're probably both similar, kind of players, pretty hard at the ball, was uh, Jake King. When uh, <laughs> he used to play backline, one When he used to come to me, I used to start laughing. I go, "Come on, Jake, you're not serious again. Like you're not coming down this, this end of the ground again." Um, yeah, so I had a few good, uh, few good um, battles with, with, with uh, Jake the Snake over the years. So they were probably my two favourites. That um, it, it was, it was a good, you know, um, you know, good competition against each other. But I, I always kind of ended up on top love that
0: um there was something I've got to admit uh I loved and I took from your game and I wish it was more of the football stuff but it was something else that I absolutely loved which you were the pioneer of and I don't think you'd even guess that this is your thing but I loved your training kits now I don't even get how I got this and it's just something that's strange but you always used to wear the footy jumper with just the short skins
2: Yep, still do now.
0: You still do now? You, still do now, I yep. did that once. So I did that once at Carlton. and I said, oh, Milnie does this. This is great. No one does it here. I'm going to be the only bloke that does this. So I walked out on the training track and I think, um, I can't remember who said it, but they were basically just like, get the fuck back inside <laughs> and get changed now. So it didn't last as long for me as it did for you. But if it had of, I just wanted you to know that I loved that.
2: No, that was my favourite, and I went for a kick with Tosh yesterday at Merabin just to get out of the house. And I had my shorts on. As soon as I got there, I took my shorts off and just had my bike, my bike pants on. And I used, yeah, this used to love the skins of no shorts, and because uh, make you too bulky putting all the shorts on over the top. You have got too much clothes, and you need to be free and kind of loose down there. So I was very comfortable. And then I had the long, the long ski, long uh, sleeve skins top. For a while as well, and there was a couple of years um, um, I was getting sponsored by Skin, so I had to just get it out there as much as I can, and um, and still do it now. And I would, if people wear shorts when I was playing at Bowie or Stratus would say, and Bendigo, I'd would, I'd would, I would go and rip the shorts off. i say, like, get them shorts off! What are you wearing shorts for? You would have got pants on underneath. So that was kind of a, yeah,
0: my little thing that I loved. As I said, mate, I loved it as a player. I'm not sure as a retired player rocking down in Moorabbin uh, seven years <laughs> out of the game, having a kick. I, I'm not 100% certain on that. But look, I, I do agree with um, I do agree with that training at AFL level.
2: <laughs> I'm just comfortable. See, so if I had a kick yesterday in the shorts, I wouldn't have kicked many. But I just I felt more comfortable with this real, I was real loose. And, uh, <laughs> oh, gee whiz. Uh. We've all had a footy coach who had a big influence on who we are.
0: Mine was Damien Trustlove, a development coach at the Giants. He was approachable, honest, and he cared. The best coaches are the ones who not only care about you as a footballer, but as a person, and that includes your mental health. Tackle Your Feelings is a free program that aims to give community AFL coaches skills to understand, recognize, and manage signs of mental health in their players. The content is based on the training delivered to AFL coaches and players and can be accessed from the comfort of your couch. You can register for the Tackle Your Feeling program by visiting tackleyourfeelings.org.au. That's tackleyourfeelings.org.au. There may never be a more important time to invest in the mental health of your players. KO's got you covered for this footy season with every game of every round, live and ad break free during play. Enthralling. Watch every game live with both Eastern and Western conferences live with ESPN on KO. There's absolutely plenty of room for everyone. So get on board with KO. Now also available on Hubble. Mate, I want to touch on the grand finals because obviously it's a big part of your career and the success of that team over that three-year period, which we're talking about earlier. Yep. Um it was an incredible time. It was an incredible team. Um what how do you sort of wrap that up? I know like 09 were versus Geelong. That was probably, I've heard you say, probably the one that was the closest. Yep. What was the memories of that year? Yeah, mate. That was, like, sorry, that was, it, you only lost one game that season, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, one or two, I think. And you, we kind of go through that with with Rossi's era. I um, remember the 08, we were 2 and 7 or something, and we had a meeting at West Coast, and you know, you think of, you know, you, you would know that, you know, your club changed and just over this one little meeting where, all the boys would say enough's enough, we're in the prime now to really, you know, have a have a crack at it. So that was the kind of meeting and then we I think we missed the finals in 8 boy a game. But we went on about a ten or two run after the break or whatever it was. Pardon me with twelve games left and then oh nine we just got there and we just we picked up a couple of players and we just knew that we were on. So that whole year was it was you know, until the grand final it was caught invincible. invincible. Like everyone was just playing their role. Um, you know, we, we didn't use many players. We just had this bond and kind of mateship that, you know, footy clubs kind of have where you're just taking the piss out of each other and everyone's up and about every day, you know what I mean? So, and then we took that to, to the games and um, ended up getting on a, obviously, a big winning winning streak. And um and even the, the finals, we were really good in all the finals games in the grand final. Just one of them days we were pissed down with Rowan mm. and Hawkins hit the post, and a couple of things just kind of went, went against us. And um, we missed a couple of goals, but he always didn't kick a goal, a couple of points. So to get that close and um, was we, we, pretty flat, but we kind of, um, yeah, it was successful. But, you know, one that kind of got away, you look back at it now and saying, you know, that was probably the one that we probably should have won. And then obviously. Collingwood the, the year after where we had another, you know, awesome year and they kind of jumped us in the first half and we kind of came back. So another 10, you know, 30 seconds, we kind of would have had them. But um, as, as it is, you know, they, they came back and, you know, pumped us the next week, unfortunately. Mm. With the 0-9, the I was I was at that game. I was actually at the
0: both 0-9 and 10 grand finals. Um, I used to go with Dad all the time. Absolutely loved yep. it. But that 0-9 game, I remember thinking if it was a dry day, Saints would have just ran all over it because I could remember how... I remember R- Rui... Um, you know, I'm not mates with Rui, but I, I love yeah. him. But I don't use that nickname because we're not really mates. But <laughs> I, I want to be mates. Um, yeah. Nick Rewalt, he was like... That forward line, I remember how much you guys were on and how hard you are working. But because the ball was wet, probably just didn't
2: adapt to the weather. Yeah, it was... Exactly, a hit nail on the head there, Bucks. It was... Uh, yeah, it was just unfortunate one of them days where you wake up on grand final morning and, you know, when you're a kid, you... When you're playing cricket on Saturday mornings and you, you wake up and look at the blind, and it's pissing down rain and you mm. go, shit, now I've got to go back to sleep. <laughs> it was kind of, you know, you shouldn't, you know, look out, you're playing the grand final, but we, we, we wanted it to be kind of good conditions and, you know, we still gave it a pretty a pretty good crack, yeah. but just unfortunately, a couple of things just kind of went our way, like Scarlett, that toe poke, you know, yeah. he was in the goal square and we held it, but. Um, it's a good story for the sportsman's nights and that now. <laughs> so Geelong supporters, not us. <laughs> yeah. Um.
0: 2010 as well uh, with the draw. There's uh, I've always just never. I feel like no one really talks about this, and I, I didn't get it. But obviously, what happened in that game would happen, and the bounce I know gets brought up a lot. I don't even really want to touch yeah. on it because I don't even think it's an it is a thing, and it annoys me yeah. that it does get brought up. But it'd be <laughs> stupid not to, and I, I can imagine how much it annoys you. Anyone that knows plays footy knows it. A, even if, you know, you couldn't have got there. B, if you did, it probably fucking would have just gone straight through the points anyway. Um, how annoying is it that, you know, that just keeps getting brought up? Yeah, you know, it's, it's annoying, but
2: it's, it's life, you know what I mean? So if you crack the shits about it and just go, well, next question, you know, then people get their back up a little bit. So you just answer the question. I have had a dollar for every time. It's one of the ones. If I dive for it, it would have bounced over my head and maybe not gone for a point or, you know, like literally couldn't got it. But if I did grab it, I would have uh, kicked it straight and Joff has. Knocked his other tooth out of in the, in the cheers cord for, for the pies. But, um, yeah, there's still a minute. And I, it was on the other day, actually. So I watched about four, oh, I was about 12 minutes left. Um, it was on Foxtel and I watched about eight of it and then it got to about four minutes left. So I quickly turned it over. <laughs> oh, <my. laughs> I just watched me kick a goal late and then BJ's hanging out. And I said, Oh, we're on here. And I will turn it over now. <laughs> I'm not going to make some lunch. I remember. Um, yeah, but it's just, uh, you know, there was a minute and a half or two minutes left after that point, I think. So yeah, anything, of kind of, anything kind of could have happened, yeah.
0: I suppose when the siren went, um, that's probably the part where oh, I'm so intrigued. at Like, what happened next? Um, yeah. What was, first of all, like, what was your, did you know that it was draw at that stage? Mate. Nah, what were your feelings? Was, did you go, you know, how was it all after that?
2: Yeah, I, I knew it was, obviously knew it was a draw, but literally no one, no one had spoken about it in the lead up or... Mate, I've watched every grand final, you know, since growing up, and I didn't even know what happened if there was a draw. So I don't think anyone knew kind of the rules. So it was just in disbelief that, you know, we should have won because we were, you know, coming home like a steam train. Um, and then it was like, what are we doing now? are just waiting for um, the guys upstairs in the AFL to tell us what to do and what, what's happening, and, and then we've kind of found out that, you know, it's going to be a replay next week. And then we started walking to our rooms and our rooms got flooded. So we all had to evacuate the rooms. So that would even put even a more damper, damper on the night. Um, and then obviously we had all the parties lined up with your family and friends after grand final. And they had to cancel them. So we just, everyone was staying at hotels, your mum and dad's and all that. So I think we just went back there to the hotel for an hour and, you know, what's happening here. And went home and we had a meeting at a hotel, one of Louis' pubs the next day just a lunch and get together and say so let's just get up and do everything we can to kind of win next week. So, And that was a bit of a surreal week. But you think, uh, what a good opportunity. You get to play one grand final, but then you get to play two in a week. But unfortunately, we got pumped. <laughs> yeah. W- was there anything that, you know, not that you can go back
0: and change anything and not that you probably want to, but is there anything there that you can, you'd you put your like eye on that you thought maybe we should have done this, maybe we should have done that in that week differently? Or was it handled pretty well? Because it was funny because I remember commenting off the end of that game, it actually looked like you guys handled it the best in terms of like you just came together and we're like, all right, sweet, let's get on with it. Yep, perfect. Let's walk off.
2: Yeah, well, I think I think we we did everything we kind of could because um, I think Collingwood went to there after mat after match function and, and stuff. So even that week, I reckon we literally trained for 20-25 minutes. So it was just kick the legs, so that, yeah. yeah, 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 just tip the legs over and just get it moving. And you know, it was kind of a couple of weight sessions and. Um, Rossi just had the game out and moving cones and asking us a thousand questions, and everyone shitting themselves because we're going to get the wrong question again. <laughs> so it's just more kind of team meetings and kind of just getting your body right for you know for the following Saturday because it's going to be another big build-up. It'll be a little bit different because there's no grand final parade and um, you know kind of we had kind of the Saints bubble. So he said just everyone stay in the bubble and don't watch the TV and the media. I didn't tell us that we you know don't have to watch the mm. footy, but Just to, you know, so it was, it was, it was a good week, but they just kind of, I'm not sure what they did, but they kind of come out and jumped us. So I kind of, maybe it was a long year, long two years for us. We've 09 as well, and I think we spent all our petrol tickets kind of in the, in the second half the week before, and, and after they jumped us, it was, um, I haven't even probably watched one minute of the second grand final because it was a shit game for us. So, um, Yeah, they ended up literally winning about 10 goals, I think. So it was a bit disappointing. But, yeah, I wouldn't have changed anything in that week. Not that I can remember.
1: You're listening to the Dylan Friends Podcast. Thanks so much for hanging out with my son.
0: Mate, I want to talk about um, some of your favourite teammates. Um, For me, you know, like looking back on that, that's what it's all about, the relationships and just the funny blokes that you get to meet um, throughout it. What was... uh, and I'm lucky enough to know this play from the Giants as well, but Lenny Hayes, like, what what does he mean to
2: you? Oh, well, to me, Lenny, some of the things Lenny's done for me, um, you know, outside of footy, um, you know, is unbelievable, and, um, you know, we're, 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 you know, kind of best mates, and he had his 40th up in Sydney, or his surprise 40th that Bakes wrecked um, the surprise, (laughs) which we'll get to in a minute, but um, there was 16 or 17 kind of, Past players and and that they went up to Sydney for you know a, a mate 40th. And I don't think many people would kind of do that. And Lenny hated every minute of it because he doesn't like the limelight much, and he's a pretty quiet, quiet achiever, Lenny. Um, but yeah, some of the things that he's done, like obviously on the field, his kind of leadership and the way he went about it, his training standards um, was just elite and just a real genuine kind of you know family man. But then once he gets here, every now and then we call him disco. He gets a, little, a few little dance moves out and. <laughs> as a, you know, disco host, has a couple of beers and he gets real, just yeah, a bit, you know, a bit of a smart alec like, after he's had a couple. So we've had a, a lot of banter over the years and, you know, a lot of footy trips together and, you um, oh, he's one in a million, Lenny. There's not as Rossi and Tomo used to say, like, they would let him marry your daughter. He's one of, the, one of the kind of them guys. But I, I wouldn't because I know him pretty well. I <laughs> so, but yeah, absolute champion, Then You can't, you don't get much better.
0: The next bloke I was actually going to ask was Stevie Baker, so what, what, you can maybe indulge well, the story. Well, this could well, go for a whole another podcast itself.
2: Oh, and and, and some. Yeah. Well, <laughs> uh Stephen Baker just unique, mate. Like he's saying, he's the kind of guy that just does things. Obviously, a thousand miles an hour, or that's it. You know, on the footy field, he sharpens his stops and wants to bed up everyone, or <laughs> off the field, he can't have two beers and relax. He just has two hundred. Yeah, and just just the most fun guy you could ever meet in your life, and just. Live. um I know you Tys talking about your motto that your messages sent and you know, live life to the fullest and that's what um, Stevie Baker does and know you follow him on Instagram and yeah. some of the things he does and just their whole family you know, about him his mum throwing knives at him in the in the kitchen and, <laughs> and all that. They're just they're just the best. Bakes and I did a Saint Scared, I think it was I um, kinda of like a jackass kind of thing for a year and some of the things we were doing, like eating chilies and um, going to the cricket nets and using the bowling machine and stuff that um, yeah, I literally could go for another podcast talking about Bakes and a few of his off, off-field antics as well. <laughs> I might have to get him on for a show, I think. Oh, mate, he'd be the best. He'd be the best. I did a podcast with him the other day, and um, oh, I was just non-stop laughing. Like, every time you catch up, if I haven't seen him for two or three months, and he comes over like, tomorrow, it's like I seen him yesterday. So, like, he's just... He's one of the best. Me yeah. and Miles are an now old Bakesy boy. Fraser, the G-Train Garrick. Oh, the big G. I'm pretty lucky. I'm pretty, um, you know, good mates with, with and, um, he kind of taught me how to drink the big boy back in the day. He, uh, at Old Reaver on a Sunday night after a game, would sleep there for a couple of beers, but, um, just, a, just a big Enigma G. That's got a, a harder goal. He's like, he's like a horse, like, just like Fala, like, you could cuddle him and, um, He's, uh, yeah, just one in a million. I spoke to him a couple of weeks ago, actually. So, oh, there's um, an article, yeah, the podcast singer in the paper, and he, he texted me yesterday saying, You make me spew. <laughs> <laughs> I said, Thanks, G. Good to see you too, buddy. <laughs>
0: what? How does he uh, go with, like, his cult following? Like, does he, obviously, no, no, is he aware it.
2: of it? Like, oh, I think, yeah, it's a, I think he's a little bit, but, oh, yeah, he, he doesn't like it. Like, he's, he's got, he's kind of good for mates. Like, G just goes about his business and, and that's kind of it. Um, but yeah, he's got a lot of good mates, and he'll do anything for you, like the big G. But yeah, obviously the Saints do a do a photo, a, a different photo, or G train um, every day until footy's back, and yeah. the, the St Kilda Footy Club do you know G train Fridays, and Tyus will send it to me, and I'll send it to Tyus a couple of whippers over the over the last few weeks, and um, yeah, that many as you say, that many people, the, the, the cult following that the G train's got. Um, is, is unbelievable I, I took him up to Bendigo for a sportsman's night uh, Bunyip actually with uh, Ozzy Jones um, a while ago and some of the stories he, he, he was telling the boys it was about 50 blokes <laughs> so um, some of the stories he was telling the boys over the years were, were, were pretty special
0: Mate he's a, he's a special man I think you know the funny thing is with it I think as long as people realise how good he actually was as well because oh. there was some vision I was watching some vision the other day and I think with the whole cult following thing you sort of it's funny because of G-Train and people get it, but he was a genuine superstar. I think there's this vision of when he was even playing at West Coast before yep. Saints of him, you know, being... He was like, how tall would he have been? 190?
2: Uh, yeah, 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six, yeah, 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 spinning yeah.
0: on a dime, like, just absolutely unbelievable
2: player. Be- benching 160. Yeah. <laughs> 165. Seriously. Um, <sighs> ridiculous. Nah, animal G. Animal, and it's a great man and good guy to have a beer with. The last one I want to
0: touch on who is... a. Unorthodox um, guy that I'm very Ooh. interested to get your opinion I don't know on. Where this is going. <laughs> Clinton Jones.
2: Oh, Whitey!
0: <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that you used to have a lot of fun uh, with Clinton Jones at the same. Oh
2: my, we used. Why he's a? You talk about folks being a special kind of different person, but Clinton Jones was like. I know they're saying one in a million, so like one in ten million. Like we used to uh, play this game called What Watch. Um, <laughs> So in meetings, like, everyone would, like, knee each other or tap each other and just literally just watch white. So the thing that he'd be doing, like, he'd, like, have a little twitch or, you know, he's normal, like, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but he'd have, have a little twitch and all of a sudden he'd just be in his own element for, like, 20, 25 seconds Then I'd get all about eight, nine, ten of the boys all looking at him at the same time and then he would kind of, he would get onto that, would know we're looking at him and yeah. go, fuck off, Melny, you're doing it again. <laughs> even before training he would get ready like I was normally pretty early at training or before games and stuff and he would be half an hour early for me so we would go to the airport together because we like getting there early you know mum always taught me if you're not 15 minutes early you're 15 minutes late (laughs) Um, and then even at training we wouldn't have to be out at training at 11 o'clock but he's out there at 10 you know 20 past 10 just kicking these little left foot drop punts to himself just trying to improve his kicking and we were just go, boys, white watch, white watch, watch. And then everyone's just watching him, and there's 20 blokes just watching him, and he's just run up and down the field just doing those little shitty <laughs> bloody left foot drop punt kicks that wouldn't even help him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, we had some fun with uh, Waddy with, uh, over the years. He, um, he, he is a special person, Whitey. Good guy. Real good guy. And he used, used to be the worst dancer you'd ever see. So after a few Mad Mondays and stuff, will get him going and put his favourite tune on and just it, it, it's just the most unawkward just laughable thing you could ever do like people cannot dance that bad like and the boy used to have the boys in sterics he was, he was hilarious speaking of mad
0: mondays i want to talk about the ultimate which is footy trips um i i enjoyed a lot of these myself um is it true you were the organizer of most footy trips but unfortunately you were worst on on most trips
2: <laughs> Who said that? That's that's they're both correct, but the last one's not correct. I was never worse on. I would not let myself do that. Now I was pretty lucky over the years to go on a few footy trips when they were kind of still going. Um, obviously, got a little bar at home where I've got you know two thousand. I think I've got one missing. All just all the footy trips over the years. And where were the best ones? Uh, oh, we were Thailand, Bali, our first few years. Just um, the your, your normal go tos. My first one was in. Was in um, Thailand and there's a photo up the other day. there was about twenty five of us or a few of the old crew, and we got a boat to one of the islands. And one of the boys chucked me off the boat in the middle of the ocean, just swimming. You know, like I was in there for about twenty minutes. But there's another story we could talk about at sports night, But the best one um, we had about, I think it was 'o ten, the grand final I organised, and we're going to Hong Kong, but we had to change it. Um, um, we went to go to Macau. We didn't go to Macau. We just literally stayed in this five-star resort and stayed in the spa drinking daiquiris all day and then just <laughs> go out at night. I think that's where the Western Bulldogs boys gotten a little bit of... Um, oh, I've strike. been there. Yeah, yeah. I've been there uh, myself. Uh, uh, Lang Quai. Fong? Yeah, yeah, that yeah. yeah. Cool. yeah. Um, and then like the downstairs bit where Coons surfed on the board yep. and you can wear shorts and singlet or you get dressed up and get, you know, your... 2,000 of vodka. So that was pretty good. But the the best one um, over the years, which we always wanted to say, like me, Dale, Joey, Guilty, Roo, Cos, if you wanted to go to Mexico. So, but Mexico was just too far. Like, oh, it's too it's two flights, three flights. It's a mission. So I said, no, enough's enough. So 2012, about 12 of us went to Mexico and um, Cancun, and that was easily the best one because ever since, paid for you, you know, five star. Resort on the beach, you just get up, you go straight to the pool all day and just, you know, laugh and carry on. And then a bus picture up at night. And, um, yeah, they were the days, still, they were the days. <laughs> not Not anymore, not allowed anymore. It's just three or four boys go away together.
1: You're listening to the Dylan Friends podcast. Do you kiss your dad with that mouth?
0: I, uh, was lucky enough to go to Cancun a couple of times, too. What was that? Coco that? Coco Bongo. So they had the, uh, <laughs>
2: What, what did they do? That, they had the like the show had, where they like the gymnasts yeah, had, come through. Yeah, the, Betelgeuse and gymnasts and dwarfs walking around and slapping you on the arse. And <laughs> um, yeah, that was a pretty crazy night. Um, oh, Coco okay, okay, Bongos, they do it pretty good there. They do. They do it pretty good. They do. Um, mate, I didn't. You know, as
0: good as the football you were, I didn't realise you were the poet as well because <laughs> apparently here there's some, some good mail here. there's some, some good stories mail. of you writing poems. For the boys on birthdays and weddings.
2: Yeah, so it's, I won't I'll let the cat out of the bag. So I, I would, wouldn't want. I hated school, but I have got a mate that um, Rusty, a mechanic out at Hampton Park. He he's just real good with with poems and and kind of. So
0: sorry, Rusty, works. the mechanic yep. from Hampton Park, is a poet.
2: Yep. <laughs> that just doesn't that just doesn't sound right. <laughs> and so I'll put a list together. So and I used to do them before. Um, games and that as well. So he would send me a game. So we're playing West Coast and he would see what's going on during the week and I would tell him that Rui kicked four last week or Joe had 30. So before the games, we used to get in the club rooms and the poem would come. and said, Rusty, the, the boys need the poem, mate. Come on, come on. You know, we've got to start getting ready. So then the poem would come through and I would kind of read it to the boys and they would give it a bit of a fist pump and then we will kind of go about our business. But I was, I'm, I've been lucky enough to be MC to... A couple of the boys' weddings, Lenny's wedding, and um, you know, groomsman to the couples as well, and always just uh, um, I somehow just work my way up to the uh, stage if I'm not MC and bust out a poem and and go from there. So there's been a few rippers over the years, and all the boys think they're shit, but they're pretty funny, and all the old oh, the old ladies or the grandmas and the mums, oh Stephen, you're such a nice poet, and, <laughs> but, but they didn't know I didn't do it. I was <laughs> Uh, I did one for the missus birthday and, and all that, so it's uh, yeah, it's good fun and everyone uh, gets a bit of a laugh out of it. But now they all know that I didn't do it, so it's I've let it out of
0: the bag. I might have to, <laughs> I might have to um, indulge that one. I, I don't mind that. I've got a few yeah, weeks coming good. up. I'll have to get up and call Rusty the from a list of, park. the
2: park. Yeah, just send me a list of things. I'll send it to Rusty. I said, Joe Buckley wants a palm, and we'll put one together for you for the next podcast. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> um,
0: as well as footballer, poet cricketer <laughs> footballer poet cricketer oh i love me cricket you love your cricket um, yeah, I love it. i've heard that in one game you made 230
2: ah <sighs> yeah yeah 272 actually 272 yeah
0: and, and we did uh, was it two uh, so two, you've made two you've made 272 262,
2: 262. I yeah i can't remember exactly but it was yeah it was,
0: it was a, a lot not um, bad knock. No. <laughs> 272 which is a fair it's a fair innings um but and the guy declared on me. He declared. It was, a, it, was,
2: it was A grade in the thirds. And I think, I can't remember what it was, 260 or 260. Yeah, about 260. And A grade, it's in the thirds. So it was a good standard. You know, i tell the viewers, good standard. So it was okay, <laughs> but we were playing on my little home ground. So it was kind of small ground. But you still got to hit him, don't you, Bucks? You, you do, mate. Him. You do, mate. you um, got to get him done. Yeah. But I, one thing I have heard
0: about this game, though, you made 267, whatever it was. Yep. But the opening bowler was 13 years old. <laughs>
2: He might have been, but he he, he only he only bowled three overs, so I got most of the runs off him. And then the old guys come on the other end.
0: <laughs> so you're a fantastic cricketer. I've heard that. I wouldn't um, say fantastic, but yeah. <laughs> against kids. They've got to be taught somewhere. They've got to yeah, be taught somewhere. Exactly way. right. <laughs> you don't you don't go easy on them. Is that are you still playing today, or is that a, are those days gone as well?
2: Yeah, no. I played a few games this year. Kind of, I can't. I'm forty now. My ankle's a bit screwed, so. Um the body's a bit worse for wear, but I play kind of three or four 2020s in about three one days. I can't do the two days anymore, like, you know, in the field kind of all day, you know, for 60 overs and you don't bowl. It's a, it's a long day, so just a couple of the one days. My brother's still down there. My dad's kind of um, secretary, who's president for 10 years, so it's kind of my second home down there. So the, the old snake pit we get on there and have a lock-in and um, all my kind of best mates and my brother plays down there, so it's good fun.
0: Yeah, it does sound like fun, mate. I uh, look. To be honest, I'm not a massive. I like look. I like cricket. It's, you know, it's got its yeah. place. But <laughs> I, uh, it's no I, good at all. I it or... Yeah, I never played it. I never played yeah. it. I'm, I'm really loving post footy squash.
2: Squash. It's such yeah. mate.
0: It is the best game. The way you moved, you'd be absolutely fantastic on the court as well. Yeah, I'm um, play a little bit to of a uh,
2: little bit of tennis. Uh, Lately, the park across the road, but I can't surf. I can cover the ground, okay, but I can't surf. Yeah. I've got the, sh- the shittest backhand ever. So My followers my life, would you know I cannot surf. Serving is very hard to do. Um,
0: <laughs> <laughs> Post footy, we talk about finishing up at the Saints. How did that all come yeah. about?
2: Yeah, I was a little bit weird because obviously I had a little bit of um, things going on outside of um, footy at the time and kind of got caught in the Scotty's office and said, you know, a couple of things hanging over your head that. Um, we're going to drop you for four weeks. Um, so I kind of, you know, read the writing on the wall that this is kind of going to be my last year. Um, I probably definitely had one year left in me. Like, could have easily went around again. Like, um, So I just, I made a decision just to kind of call it, call it stumps and, you know, go out of my terms because I didn't want to say, yeah, I'll go around again and then they give you the arse mm. and, um, you know, you have this kind of falling out with the club. So it was a little bit disappointing, but... That's um, how. Th- that's what happened, and we go from there, and then, obviously, I was still keen to keep playing, so I went up to Bendigo and played a couple of years with a great mate of mine, Dale Wilson, who was coach, um, and we won back-to-back, didn't lose a game in in two years, and, you know, won a couple of flags, and then I ended up coming, living in Cheltenham, so I went to Barry Morris um, after that, and... Snide's come there for a year, and um, I think he did his hammy four times and played four games, and including a granny. So he had a pretty good year. So, <laughs> so that was um, that was a uh, yeah. So I won three in a row, and then the year after that, Snide's took over as coach, and I was assistant, and we finished bottom. So that was kind of the start of Snide's coaching career. Um, yeah. But to, but two good credit, we did we were in A grade amateurs, and um, we did lose seven games by under a kick or under ten points. So we weren't that far off. So. Um, yeah, they, they, they were kind of my three or four years, and I kind of played a couple of one-offs last year, just um, you know that Febs made famous. So, a um, couple of couple of them, just to uh, um, you know get out of the house and have, have a kick. And I was going to do a couple this year as well, but also everything going on. So, if I can keep the body in a little bit of little bit of shape, which is uh, very tough, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I might try and do one or two, um, you know, next year, just to you know, because you retired forever and. I don't do much running I literally don't leave the 10 meter square
0: deal we might have to get a little Dill Dil and friends slash Stevie Milne um little dynamic duo down there in the yes, in the Ford line. let's do it I'm looking forward let's... to that one um <laughs> just on that when you were finishing up how hard was that time for you I suppose like and did you feel did you feel like the club like I know you said before they let you Gave you four weeks off at one period. Yep. How yep. you, did you feel like they sort of stood by you at that stage, or were you happy with the way it was all handled by the
2: club? Oh, it was it, pretty. It was pretty tough. Obviously, at you know, that time, they kind of made a decision without kind of me um, having any, any input or my parents or my wife or anything. So it was pretty tough. Um, and then kind of after that period, you, see, you know, you pack me, pack me bag up and, and, and locker, and you kind of go. So it was pretty surreal that. Obviously, you've played 13 years, just, you know, mighty footy club, and then you've kind of just been shown the door um, and kind of given no explanation or, you know, the explanations were there, but they kind of just said, this is what's happening. So mm-hmm. that's why I kind of made a decision just to, you know, play the last game against SWEA with Cosy and Jason Blake. It was their last game also. I want just kind of go out on my terms, so... Um after that was was pretty tough, the next kind of 10, 12 months, so I couldn't get a job or anything and started doing um, some laboring with the G-Train at Tough Turf. Give give him a plug and... Um, you love Tough
0: Turf here at Dylan friends. It's oh, our yeah, favorite uh, turfing business yeah. <laughs> in the world.
2: So he, he was... Um, I was working harder at Tough Turf than I was in the footy field. Mm. So I said, I can't do this forever. And G loves hard work. So I did that for about 10, 11 months, and then I was lucky enough to bump into... Um, Sam Saliba at Command 51 and I've been in kind of the cleaning pubs, restaurants kind of cafes game um, for about four and a half years now and just obviously having a bit of a four to eight week hopefully <laughs> staycation off with uh, COVID-19 mm. and
0: looking forward to getting back into that. Regardless of the, of the situation, I suppose the transition out of the game, like, do you feel that you were ready for that? Did you do enough when you were playing to sort of find an interest outside of the game?
2: No, I didn't do, I was kind of one of them guys, you know, I had to play 50, 50 VFL games to before my kind of first, you know, AFL game, um, I went to Hampton Park Secondary College, I wasn't the smartest student, and I kind of mucked around more than I you know, did, um, you know, and I didn't do any uh, kind of traineeships or, you know, degrees or anything like that, that kind of wasn't down my alley, I just wanted to do everything I can to play AFL footy, so I did a, a couple of courses when the when the clubs make you do, you know, I did a real estate course and I did an acting course at one stage to get the club off me back. I was an just acting to go course? Home. I want to go on Home and Away or Neighbours. Really? <laughs> I did not want to go on Home and Away, but I just said, oh, what am I interested in? I said, oh, I could do acting. So I did this 12-week acting course in the city on a Thursday night. It lasted about seven weeks. And you then was it. What?
0: Like, was there actually, a, was there ever a thought of doing anything like that or was it more just to, to test it out?
2: No, it was more just to test it out and see if you like it. But um, it was going to be, you know, the long haul-like. Um, it was just like going back. To, I did hear uh, drama in Year 12 at school. They, they were my good subjects. So it was yeah. just, uh, just testing it out to see, um, you know, if I was any good at it. But it was kind of all that, you know, the background, you know, the people in the background in the cafe pretending they're not yeah. there. And stuff. <laughs> so I didn't want to do that. I wanted want, want no, to be you the main in match. Hollywood. Yeah, I wanted yeah. to be up Stewart straight away. Yeah. Like. <laughs>
1: You're listening to the Dylan Friends Podcast. Head to Dylan Friends on Patreon for bonus content.
0: I've seriously yeah. got it all you, mate. Footballer, poet, <laughs> cricketer, actor, and probably one of the most exciting <laughs> things that I'm ready to talk about now is Kabaddi. <laughs> <laughs>
2: ah, kaboot, kaboot. Kabaddi?
0: Uh, yeah, Kabaddi. Yeah, Kabaddi. Like uh, for those who don't remember what this is, <laughs> it was that incredible... I don't even know, you're probably better off explaining it, but it was like a tackling game that you and Campbell Brown, Schneider, yeah. um, I don't know who else went over there, but you all went and did that. What was it?
2: Yeah, I was. Yeah, I still don't know. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll anchor that two weeks back in my life, and to rub salt into the wounds, they picked a bloody town that was um, alcoholic free, so oh. I we wouldn't even load a drink. So. Uh, but uh no, Brownie rang and I bumped into Campbell over the years, and... Um, he's a really good fella, and said I've got. This. Snod, he spoke to Snide first, and Snides rang me and said, "Man, let's go to India for three weeks and <laughs> do this." So we've gone to Windy Hill and done a couple of training sessions with these Indians. I'm going, what the fuck is happening here? What, what is this? <laughs> I, I didn't lay, lay a tackle in my whole career, and now I'm going to the World Championships in India to represent Australia to play Kabaddi. going, well, what is this? And then when I got over there, I would. Kill it in the training sessions. Like, I was asked Snyder, I was best on. But then the Indian coach wouldn't play me. So I've got to play five minutes for the whole three weeks. So I was pretty pissed off for the most of the trip. <laughs> so it's kept me in good stead, actually, because it was a bit of like COVID 9 because we'll just be in our hotel room the whole day and then go down for lunch and have that much curry and sit in the toilet all afternoon yeah. and then do it again for dinner and then go to training. Um, oh, yeah. But it was, a, it was a funny three weeks and yeah, some good experiences. Um. Obviously, in there, like all the cows and bloody animals on the freeways, and just it's oh, it's mayhem over there. It's, it's funny. It's and, funny
0: you bring up the cows. Why? Why were you so scared of the cows over there?
2: Oh, just not an animal lover, Dill. I've just um, little story. I think I got bitten by. Uh, if we had a dog sport when I was um, seven or eight, I, we, I think that's a story. Um, but just I'm just not a big. They make me itchy, so. <laughs> Um, just not a big, big animal lover. We've got a, Lila's got a little a guinea pig out the back here that lives under their house. So that's as close as I'll get to an animal. And every time that comes out, I'll shit myself when I'm walking to cook the barbie and it jumps out. Oh, I'm just still here. Um, but yeah, not a big, uh, I said Tyson can get a, he can get an animal when he leave, leaves home. They, yeah. they both want dogs, but they can get one when they move out. Fantastic. And mate, we, we, Bring it to that point now, one of our
0: uh, our good mates. Uh, well, it's not your mate, it's your son. Um, he's <laughs> my mate, Tyson. Yep. He's an absolute ripper. He's doing some good things at the moment. He, he just missed out this year. Well, I don't even know what year we're in, but he was yep. an under 18. Spoke to him recently as well, and I suppose now's a better time for him to keep doing like exactly what you've done yourself, mate. You did it the hard way, but now's a good time, I suppose, because they are doing so many good things. He's playing with the Sandy Zebs, I think.
2: Yeah, yeah, so yeah. on at the uh, VFL, Sandy I So that, that with Hamill? Yeah, no, no Hamill was coached last year and now right. Benny McGlynn's coach this year. Oh, so gee. just on uh, Tyson first, I have to apologise to yourself on behalf of Tyson because he will listen to this That how many Instagram messages that he did send you over, <laughs> the, uh, over, over the past few months to get me on. He's, uh, he's a massive lover of your Gosh. show and... Loves your banter and the way you go about it. So um, it's taken us uh, a few times, to you know, to try and get on. And I'm not a big kind of social media fan. Um, but then Tys was keen and I'd, I'd love to jump on. I've listened to a few episodes and you're doing great work. And when I said I was going on, he was over the moon. So all his mates love you and, um, yeah, they're pretty pumped with you.
0: It's actually funny, mate, because I, obviously, as I said, I wasn't talking shit earlier. Yeah, obviously, honestly, one of my favourite players of all time. And when, yeah. you know... Uh, at this stage, I get a lot of messages, and this guy sort of um, popped into my thing. He's like, "You should get my dad on the podcast." <laughs> and I was like,
1: "Who the fuck?
0: Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, why, why would I?" I, no, I was just sort of reading these things, and as it sort of yeah. came, he goes, "My dad's Stephen Milne." I was like, <laughs> "I was like, this what? guy seems pretty old. Like, Milne wouldn't probably have like you know because he's nineteen now." And yeah, uh, you, yeah, 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 And yeah. I was like, "No, nah, this couldn't be." And this, I was at the Giants this stage. Where I was talking to um to Schneid. I was like, "Mate." This kid's messaging me, um, telling me to get my dad on. Like, is this actually Milne's kid? And he's like, mate, it is. I was like, you are joking me. So that's where it all started to get this on. It has taken a while to do it. But, mate, I'm absolutely wrapped with Tyson. He's an absolute champion. Um, but one question I do have about Tyson is, does he kiss his dad on the lips?
2: <laughs> <laughs> that is a negative. That is a negative. No, I brought him up. Not, 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 there's nothing wrong with that. But nothing, wrong old, with yeah, not nothing wrong with it. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. Of that. Um, no, we're a bit old school here with the old my old man Brian Milne. I'm The old firm handshake, the harder you squeeze, the tougher you are. So yeah. we're yeah. just we the old um, firm handshake kind yeah. of guy. Yeah. Um, here at the Milnes, no kiss, kiss. I don't think he does that to his mum either. Fair enough. Me
0: and <laughs> me and Dad have bought up the other way. We just love the firmer the kisses, the more we love them. <laughs> <laughs>
2: As I said, each, each to their own. Nothing wrong with that at all, mate. Um,
0: no, shout out to Tyso. He's an absolute champion, and um, I said that as soon as this is over, we'll catch up for a few cordials. Yeah, he's um, pretty,
2: pretty happy with that. He's uh, he's actually earning earning the bucks for the millions at the moment because of a COVID. He's landscaping, a dream landscape. So he's out there um, bringing in the bacon. Why? The Dales and I are trying to get back to work with COVID nineteen, so he's uh, he thinks he's running the running the place at the moment.
0: Oh, he's a good man, good man.
2: <laughs> um, mate, to finish up, I
0: always love to talk about this. Have you got for me anything uh, in terms of lessons learned, life mottos? Is there anything that you like yep. to live by?
2: Um, well, I kind of said it said it earlier when you when you text me. My my kind of one is um, live life to the fullest, like. Anything that you you think of not doing or doing, just do it. Like my my probably motto is this: life's too short. You know what I mean? With everything going on at the moment, and even you know, just hadn't made that up today. Like, if you ask all my mates, and I'll probably say that you know I kind of live my life to the fullest, and and you know a bit of a spontaneous guy. And life's too short, so I just you know live life while you can. Because obviously with everything going on at the moment, who knows what's going to happen? You know, over the next few years. So that's probably. Um, my, my motto that I kind of live by, and just don't take life too seriously. I love a I love a good laugh, and um, you know, hanging with my mates and a few beers and a good time, and um, so that that's probably my kind of two or three go go-to deal.
0: Love it, mate. And the last thing I do want to touch on, I actually didn't have this plan, but I love <laughs> from talking to you today and just realizing again your footy IQ, um, what you've done on and off the field in terms of your AFL career is coaching something that you can see yourself getting into. Like I feel that you could be such a help to young guys coming through the system, you know, with, with everything that you've been through. Like, I just feel like there'd be so many good lessons there that you could teach.
2: Yeah. Eventually it will. Um, Mm -hmm kind of at the time where, obviously, Tyson's 18 and, you know, playing Zebras, you know, probably not this year, but, you know, next year and stuff. So down the track, um, I, I think I'd like to get into it. I've obviously coached Tyson's juniors and I helped Snires for a couple of years at Bo Morris and things. And probably the last couple was just more so about the family time. And mm-hmm. I've got a little girl that's 10 as well. And, you know, I played kind of three or four one-offs and I was, I was going to do um, some MCing at a few Saints games this year with Damon Armitage. Um, so i just been trying to, you know, put my toe in the water there. But down the track, I'll definitely like to, um, you know, get involved somehow. We've got a, a brotherhood program at the Saints that I'm looking after five of the kind of forwards, just to, you know, as, as you kind of just said then, just a few, not life lessons, but if I need any advice or just mm. to chat to someone different, kind of a past player. So I've, I've, I've enjoyed that a lot. We've had a couple of coffees and when the Squire's off just when the restaurants were opened a while ago. So... Um yeah, putting my toe in the water a little bit there and, you know, just I love catching up with guys that obviously are playing you know, at, 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 the, at the Mighty Saints and, and going from there.
0: And just lastly, is there any guys, I suppose, that you watch footy now, well, not right now because it's not on, but yep. you watch the game and think, you know, I could help that guy, just not help him, but you, you feel like maybe you could have an impact and just teach him a few things or even just encourage him a bit more?
2: Yeah, it's, it's probably the, the, the small forwards kind of you know, kind of at the Saints who I just kinda of mentioned, that Brotherhood program yeah. that Aaron Hamill kind of kind of organized this year just to get a few I think there's seven or eight past players, myself, Max, Aussie, um, Spider, I think that are looking at Rui, that are looking after kind of just a different set set of players. So obviously your Jack Loney, you're Sinclair, mm. your Sinclair, your team memories just to you know, if if they've gone through any experience, what I've had, I've you know, been to the to the mill and back and Had me, you know, plenty of ups and plenty of downs, so just to, you know, give them a little bit of advice on how to handle it and, you know, not read too much into it and just, you know, worry about the people that trust you and believe in you and not worry about anyone else because I've had, obviously, a lot of articles written about me over the years and, um, you know, just use it as toilet paper and, you know, don't worry about it because you don't know them, you're never going to see them, you know, you don't give a shit about them, so um any little advice to that to mainly the saints guys um you know i'd love to pass on
0: is there any other guys outside the comp that you love watching that you feel that you could help as well like not help but you just love watching them you love the way they go about it you see a bit of yourself in them in other teams
2: yeah oh there's there's one who, who um who, who i love watching and um obviously he's probably one of your good mates is toby green mm. um I, I bumped into him at lenny's 40 he he'd come for dinner and and had a, had a good chat to him kind of that night, and said, "Mate, I'm, you know, if you need a, a chat or anything, obviously he's been, um, you know, in the headlines for you know a few you know, good reasons and not so you know re- really bad reasons, but yeah, just you know he's he's got that kind of fig- fig- that cold hero figure about him that gets publicity when he goes to the toilet. So you know you feel for him, but up in Sydney, you get a little bit left out of it down there. So." He's one of the one that obviously Tyson loves and I love watching, um, you know, regularly as well. And um, he was, you know, set for a big year and set for another five or six years. He's just, uh, yeah, he's a class act. And first time I met him, um, you know, the other week, and he uh, sounds like an absolute ripper as well. So we had we had a good night together. Yeah, he's a ripper, mate. He's a bit like yourself, you know. These guys
0: sometimes from the public eye get a bad rep, but I will tell you what, they're the first blokes that you'd you'd pick on your team if you could. Yep, uh, Milne, mate. Thank you so much for your time. Um, no. Gee whiz, I've really milked Jeff absolutely everything you've got there. <laughs> That's fine, I, mate. Appreciate I appreciate it. it. Thank you so much. Um, mate, it's an incredible story. Um, I'm looking forward to catching up for a few cordials once we can. And um, thank you so much. Thanks, Bill. Appreciate it, mate. You're a good man.
1: Thanks for listening to the Dylan Friends Podcast. The show is produced by Dylan Buckley and Luca Ganano. Richard Stansbury looks after the audio and editing. Samuel Kenny Creative is responsible for branding and graphic design. And the show is recorded at 3AW Studios, Collins Street, Melbourne. If you would like to contact my son, head to dylanfriends.com or look me up in the white pages and I'll pass it on.
0: KO's got you covered for this footy season with every game of every round, live and ad break free during play.